Welcome to Rock Harbor Church's channel on Sermon Audio. We hope that this message is a blessing to you and it helps you in your daily walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please, settle in and grab your Bibles. Here's our guest speaker with this message. So, no, I'm so uh, glad to be here. It's a privilege to be up here with you guys. Uh, most of you may know me. If you don't, if this is your first time, welcome. Uh, my name is Pastor Frank, one of the associate pastors here at Rock Harbor. And um, half of our, some of our team is coming back from Israel. And so you can see them because they got the Shekinah glory on them. So that's how you know who they are, okay? So you, oh, Israel. But no, it's great. It's an awesome experience that they were able to experience. Um, hopefully, myself included, we'll have another opportunity to go and, and see that as well. But I did hear it was a good experience, um, a lot of travel and a lot of learning and things of that nature. I'm sure the people who went were enriched by it and just enriched in their faith, okay? So glad to have them back. Pastor Brandon's not here, obviously. He should be touching ground like in about 20 minutes. I got to go get him from LAX, okay? So we'll see you guys later. <laughs> so... No, just joking. But anyway, so he should be touching ground, if not already, but he's, he's on his way back too. And so he will be back next week, all right? So um, before we get going, I did want to uh, talk to you guys a little bit about, there we go, uh, talk a little bit about some of the things that I have observed, you know, over this last maybe two or three weeks and uh, before we get into the sermon, I wanted to talk to you guys about that and just kind of share some observations uh, with you. In uh, light of Veterans Day was a couple weeks ago on the 11th, and you know during that time is always something that gives me time to reflect um, and just on, on the service, uh, being in the service and friends and just memories and things like that. And some of you who are veterans will know what I'm talking about. It always just seems that time of year, Veterans Day, is, is I, I like it, not just because I can get a free meal somewhere, but, you know, I like it because, you know, it's a time to reflect, it's time to remember. You know, Memorial Day is a little bit different, obviously, for, for those who have served. Um, you know, that does have a little bit of a different um, feeling or emotion, you know what I'm saying? So let me... Uh, anyways, so it doesn't want to act right. So... Uh, I was thinking about this, and I was uh, one of these things that had come to my mind about training, right? Um, who here has been in the military or type of, uh, okay, you know about training, right? Um, field training, things of that nature, whatever branch you were in, there's always some sort of training going on. So in the Army, if you guys, if I got any fellow Army vets in here, we have uh, this thing, it's called uh, road marches. I don't know if you guys have, have ever dealt or seen this, you know, a road march, um, you have all your gear. You can see those guys right there. It's basically you're walking down a long road, and you don't know your destination. You're just following the guy in front of you, right? Uh, so you have all your gear. You have your rifle. You have your boots. You have your helmet. You have your rucksack, which is that thing on the back there. I don't even know if they still call it a rucksack. Uh, there they have the M4. We would have had the M16s, a little bit longer, a little bit heavier, uh, so what you're doing is, is you're, you're walking on this road, you have all this equipment on, and it, we have a slang word for this in the military. It's called full battle rattle. Okay, I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but it's called full battle rattle. Hey, we have formation this morning, full battle rattle. 
That means everything, okay? It was a short word for meaning everything, okay? And I hated that word because I hated putting that stuff on. It's like your helmet. I mean, these ones are a lot smaller, but we had these giant helmets that we had put on. The band would just press on your forehead, right? And I'm complaining now, but at the time I was tough, right? So, uh, you know, as you can see here that these guys have their full battle rattle, their Kevlar helmet, their uh, rucksack, um, I don't know if you can see there, but they would have a load-bearing vest, okay? We had that as time, and we had all your ammo. You had your uh, first aid pouch, flashlight, whatever cool stuff you thought would look cool you can put on there, and uh, all your gear, your combat boots, and uh, you'd be ready to go. So for you guys that haven't served, I wanted you guys to picture yourself in this position, okay? And imagine yourself wearing all this stuff, walking down maybe a dirt road or maybe even a real road, and you're walking, and you don't know really where you're going, but you know you're going on a mission, okay? You got this guy in front of you. you could, all you could see is his backpack, maybe, his rucksack. Maybe you can look aside. You can see the row. You can see the guide-on flag. Guide-on is the flag that, that, holds your, that represents your unit, and they would march to, and you guys would be going, and you'd have your rifle, and uh, you're marching down, down this road, right? And you start to realize after a while, maybe two or three miles, you start to get fatigued. And you start to get tired. And you start to think about uh, these things that you're, that you're like, why am I doing this? Why did I enlist, okay? Why am, I, why am I putting myself through this, right? The helmet is pushed down on your head, um, you start to get fatigued and you start to hunch over and you're starting, the, the helmet is pushing your head down and you, all you can do is start thinking about one step at a time, right? And you start to have to mentally resist the, the, the thoughts of futile, like this is never gonna end. It's a mental struggle. And you start to get thirsty and so you're, drinking your water from your canteen or from your hydration, whatever you have, and you're not sweating. I mean, you're sweating, but you're not using the restroom because it's, you're being sweated out. It's like, you ever put water in an empty radiator? It just sucks it all up, right? It's that type of thing where you just, you're exhausting yourself. You're pushing yourself to the edge. And your boots begin, get heavier and heavier. And so... Uh, all you can do is, is think about the pain, right? You're starting to pain of your back and your feet and you start concentrating on your steps and uh, all you want to do is just give up, right? And in the service we had, uh, there's cadences, right? Some of you guys might be f- familiar with the cadence, right? That's what uh, the leaders would do to keep your soldiers in step, keep the military, the service members in step, Right? And so I was thinking about this cadence. Okay, there's a lot of them that are inappropriate, okay? So I can't tell you about them from up here. Not okay. But there's some of them that really gets you going, really gets your mind thinking, right? Like, oh man, this is the reality of being in the service. So there's this one, uh, there's this one cadence, and, it, and there's the quote right there. It says, there ain't no use in looking down, okay? And it goes like this. I'm gonna see if I can do it, okay? So bear with me. It said, ain't no use in looking down. There ain't no discharge on the ground. 
and you're like, and you're repeating it, right? Oh, 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 right? So you're thinking, right? And you're like, okay, this guy's really serious about marching us, and you're thinking, I'm going to die, and you're walking. And uh, anyways, but the reason they're saying that, they're saying there's no reason in looking down. There's no discharge on the ground. Discharge would be your discharge papers. You ain't looking down, man. You better look up, right? And he goes on to say, ain't no looking, uh, needing looking back because a certain individual's got your Cadillac, okay? <laughs> but this mindset is this, and this is what, what's, what's important or, or what the military does to you is they get you thinking. They're getting you in a mindset, getting you off of the idea of, oh, I want to go home to the comforts. I want to go back to mama where, you know, she would serve me my lunches and stuff. It's that mind frame to, you're not looking back, man. You're looking forward because we got a mission to complete. And so this mindset that was constantly drilled into you during basic training, uh, during um, marching and stuff. And, and at that time, you might think, oh, they're brainwashing me and this and that. And all they talk about is war and that blood makes the grass green and all these things. And oh, you're like, oh, my goodness, what did I get myself into, Right. But it really is a mindset because you have to, gonna be able to, you have to use that. And if you're a, a young man or young woman in the service, uh, you have to adjust your mindset. Okay, You can't think about going back because there is no going back. I mean, you can with a dishonorable discharge, but most people don't. You don't want to go back. So they get that in your mind to look forward, okay? And so that was the idea. That was something that I was thinking about this past couple of weeks is that it's the same mindset that we have. And it's the same mindset of the Christian believer, right? We're in the army. We're a soldier of God. We're a soldier of the Lord. Who remembers that, that kid's song, right? It's like, I've never marched in the infantry, you know, but I'm a soldier of the Lord, right? Who remembers those Sunday school teachers know that one, right? Amen. Okay. So that's the reality of it. The reality of it is that that's you and me. I mean, we may not have been listening, may not have been a veteran, but it's the same mindset. There's no need for us to look down. We're not discharged yet. We, there's no need in looking back. We got to look forward. And so I know that there's times where uh, you know, we, we get attacked, man, and we get things bombard us. And, you know, we might be on our mission walking forward like, yes, I'm, I'm ready. And I'm stepping forward to the Lord. And we got these attacks coming on us left and right. We got old issues coming up that want to hold us back. We got family members that want to put stuff in our face and make us just throw us off track. We have I- issues maybe that are coming up that might be out of our control and try to knock us off our mission. Because remember, we're still on a mission, right? Until he comes for us, we still got to maintain. And so as we're walking and we stay focused on the Lord and our mission is ahead, like I said, we're going to have things hitting us, right? From left and right, from the back and from the front. And we want to stay focused. We cannot be like this, looking at our steps. We have to look up. We have to stay focused on the Lord he will try to knock you off. And so that's the thing that we must realize that. And you guys in your own walk, 
When you guys see attacks coming and you guys see things coming up on the horizon, what do you do? You muster the troops. Hey, hey, come back here. We need to regroup, all right? This is what's going on. We got this attack over here. We got this attack over here. We're not gonna give up. We're not gonna retreat. We're gonna keep going. This is, we're gonna stay on our mission. We're gonna still do what the Lord calls us to do. We're still gonna evangelize. We're still gonna disciple. We're still gonna walk with him. We're not gonna retreat. We're gonna fight. We gotta fight to the end. And so this is what I, I wanted to share with you guys because you know, like I said, in this time of Veterans Day and things of that, uh, and we have see things that are going on and like you may have experienced in your own life where, uh, you know, the attacks are there, man. The attacks are there. And they would rather to see you knocked off your mission and see you retreat than anything else. They would love to see that. Love to have you retreat. Love to have you uh, lift up your flag, your white flag, Right? but we're not gonna do that. We're gonna stay focused, lift up our chin, and stay focused on the Lord. Amen? So this is what I was thinking when I was putting this together. And there's a song that's, uh, that this verse, um, that there's a song that was made after this verse, okay? I was gonna say the other way around, but that's not true. There was a, a song made after this verse, and it's from Psalms 121, one through two. And it says, I will lift my eyes up to the Lord. Where does my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. So that's what we have to do. We have to look up and keep our eyes focused on him and stay on mission, guys. Because when we don't, we lose focus, we lose mission, we lose our side of our mission, we become hopeless, right? Why are we even here? Why are we even here on a Sunday morning? Why are we even down at the Valley Plaza? Why are we even down at the abortion clinic? Why are we even down witnessing to friends? Why are we even trying to share the truth with people who won't listen? Those are all the things that will get us thrown off track. But if we stay focused on him, he will keep us on mission. We stay focused on sharing the gospel. We can't lose our steam. There is no reason to lose steam over, over sharing the gospel. That is what we are Commanded to do. That is our, one of our first mission orders. So as a soldier of the Lord, we're to stay on track, stay on mission, and push forward, guys. I get it. It's tough. Holidays are coming up. It's probably one of the toughest times of the years for, for people because you got Thanksgiving, Christmas. You got family drama coming up, right? You got to sit with somebody that's, way out there, and you're like, can we be done already? Maybe we just have the kids that say they got COVID and we can't go, right? (laughs) I'm just joking, right? I love my family, and even though we might have differences, you know, um, but it is true. And and Christmas, too, you know, it's hard. We're thinking of of loved ones. We're thinking of those who are not with us. We're thinking of those who uh, might not be with us because of differences of beliefs and we can't be around them because they're toxic. Thinking of all those things, these are tough guys and I get it. And so we stay focused on him. We stay focused on our mission and that's what we're called to do. Everything else is just a bonus, right? Everything else is a bonus and everything else we can just push off the side. We push through, all right? 
So that's my little pre-sermonette, I guess you can say, I wanted to share with you guys before we get into our main service, our main sermon. So uh, today, our main service, we're going to be in Joshua 3, verses 1 through 17. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have your phone, you can do there too. I'm not going to hold it against you. All right, so we're going to look about, we're going to look at how Joshua, how he led Israel across the Jordan River and how uh, we can view this and how we can, what we can learn and how what we can apply these things to our life. Okay, the title of the message today is Crossing Over in Faith. So crossing the Jordan River was a significant event for Israel because they were no longer wandering in the uh, desert at this point. They had received their orders from Joshua, which we'll learn. And they were no longer going to be eating manna, okay? And just like Israel, not saying that we are Israel, but some things that we can learn, is that we can learn from, from this that we ourselves will be called to cross our Jordan. Just like Israel will be called to cross over into spiritual maturity, and just like Israel, we will not be on, when we cross over to spiritual maturity, we will, not no longer, we will no longer be on manna, which would be milk, right? We are called to be on solid foods, solid food, meat, okay? So we can learn that from Israel, like, okay, we're going to cross over like Israel did, they crossed the cross of the Jordan River. We're not going to be uh, on milk, Okay, we're going to be on solid food, and we're not going to be the wandering in the desert no more. All right? So that's what we're going to learn about today, and um, hopefully what, what we get out of here is you'll have an understanding of you, where you're at. Some of you guys may have crossed over already. Some of you guys can see that this crossing is coming. Some of you guys are standing at the riverbank. Okay, so we're all different in our own different places. Okay, so let's get some background before we get into the text. If you go chapters one and two, uh, you will see that the, they're still eating manna in, um, in the desert. You can see that they're picking up there. As we understand, manna is a, a rice type or a small, as we've learned, um, is a small, like powdery or substance, kind of like a Cottony, I guess. I don't know. I can try to imagine it in my head. There's not really any pictures of it, but you know, from the text, we can kind of just get a visual of what that is. So they were eating manna. They were in the desert. Um, this point, Moses dies. Joshua is commissioned to lead, now be in charge, to be the leader of Israel, okay? So if you can imagine, Joshua was like the new boss in town, and he had a bunch that was tough to manage, okay? And so he had to come in with his leadership. And later we'll see how he was, his leadership was authenticated by the Lord. But so he had to come in and, and backfill and fill the shoes of Moses. So uh, at this point, so Joshua, like I said, he's, he's been appointed leadership, uh, commissioned by the Lord. And so Joshua, what he does is he understands his orders and he understands what the Lord is telling him. He sends his two spies to go spy out the land. They end up coming across Rahab, was a prostitute. They end up seeking uh, co- uh, coverage or seeking safety in, their, in her house. 
and they make a promise to her like, hey, you keep us in the house, you keep us, you know, hide us, and when we come and destroy the land, we will, we will leave, we will exempt you, just put a, a scarlet uh, flag or a scarlet, they call it a scarlet cord out the window. Some of you guys are familiar with this story, and that's how we'll make sure you guys are good. Not Nobody will be harmed in your house. As long as anybody that's in your house, they'll be okay. All right, so we have those things going on. The spies come back and the report to Joshua, what's going on? Okay, so now we're gonna go, now we're gonna get into the text, chapter three, verse one, okay? So verse one is like this. It says, is this, it says, then Joshua rose early in the morning and then they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before, the, before they crossed over. Okay, so this is a movement, okay? So this would be like a military movement. He would muster or form all the, all the guys, all the people, 2,000 people. Imagine leading 2,000 people. And at that time, they were at Shittim, it was a. It was if you look on a map, if you find, if you're interested, they moved from there to uh, the bank of the Jordan. All right. So this was a movement. It was a, military would be like a movement order or something like that or a maneuver type thing. Okay. Side note: one of the things that I learned is that Joshua rose early in the morning. This was the time that he spent with the Lord. Okay. This is the time where he had one-on-one with the Lord. And I thought this was interesting because, you know, in our own daily walk, it's a good practice to find time to be with the Lord and to be in prayer and to, and to search yourself and say, Lord, what is it that I need to clean up in my life? Or what are some of the things that I, I need to repent for? You know, am I not seeing some of these things? Lord, show me some of those issues that I've been crying out for help and, and help me understand what I need to fix. So this is a good time for that. And you know what? And if you guys aren't practicing that, or maybe you do, maybe you've fallen away from doing that, I would encourage you to do that. It's a, a good time. Maybe early in the morning when it's quiet. You know, if you have kids like me, you know, you do it early, real, real, real early in the morning, okay? Like you set your alarm, man. <laughs> or do it late at night. You spend time. Hey, you know, for you guys don't have kids, hey, hey, honey, I'm not ignoring you. We'll watch our show later, but I need to spend some time with the Lord, okay? And so we need to make sure we practice doing that. But I wanted to point that out to you. I thought it was interesting that um, Joshua did that. Okay, so verse two, it says, so it's after three days, hence, I like the little three days there. The, it's a, uh, you know, a, a, three days should get us thinking, okay, three days in the tomb. We know, I, I love that theme. So three days, officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the priests of the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, uh, excuse me, by measure, do not come near it that you may know the way that which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Okay, so here's the plan, guys. This is what they're saying. The, the ark is going to go before them. And the Lord is telling them, I'm going to hold fast to my promise. 
these are the things that I promised you. This is my word. And like I've been up here before, and I, and I always, this is one of the themes that I have, is that God is a man of his word. Amen? He is going to come through on his word, and we can take that to the bank. And we could count on that. How? Not just because, oh, I believe it, but we've seen it in the past, present, and then we're going to see it in the future. So we know that God is a man of his word. And so he's, he's reinforcing that, saying, I'm going to be with you. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Okay? So it's not the sense that um, we're going to go, and I don't know, we're going to figure it out, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out when we get there. No, this is a plan, okay? And so uh, the Israelite, the officers are passing through the camp, letting, prompting the people, giving them instructions. And they're saying, here's the signal, guys. Here's the signal. When the ark rises and begins to move, that's your sign. Get up and go. Now, I'm sure there was an order that had to be set I'm not really f- sure, but I'm thinking there's got to be some order because God, God is of order, right? He's not of chaos like a mob rule on Black Friday, okay? Everybody gets up and you move and you follow the ark, right? So that's the signal. They were instructed to uh, stay about, uh, well, it says that they were instructed to stay 2,000 cubits, okay? That was for two reasons. The first reason was to stay a distance where everybody can see, okay? So if we're all up gathered around it, how are we going to see where, the, where it's going? We will not see. We'll just see the back of people's heads or whatever. So it's up ahead, 2,000 cubits. To give you guys any, uh, something to think about, about that distance, it's pretty far, it's about uh, 3,000 feet, okay? 3,000 feet. So a semi-diesel truck is about how many feet? About 60, okay? 60 feet, a semi-whole diesel truck. So if you think about maybe 30, 30-something trucks maybe, give or take, some math people in here might help me out. So the next time you're on the highway, think about how many diesel trucks that you can count and say that would be the distance that with the ark would we, we'd be traveling at when we're crossing. That's far. That puts it in perspective, right? Like, man, I want to be right up on that thing. I want to follow the Lord. Like, okay. But no, we have to maintain our distance. For one, that was so everybody could see. And two was to have reverence for the Lord. Okay. And to keep our distance. At that time, obviously, it was uh, the time of Moses. It wasn't the time that we're living in now. But it was in reverence to the Lord. So it was actually, it was 45. I did, I did a little math, you know, before I came here. It was 45 semi-trucks. So you can put that one down. Count 45 semi-trucks. All right? Okay. So when Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourself, verse five, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders amongst you. So Joshua is given the order for them to sanctify themselves or to consecrate, uh, to set themselves, uh, set them part, uh, excuse me, set themselves apart, okay? Or uh, 
to clean, all right, to clean themselves. And this is what they would, would have done would to be clean themselves, put on fresh clothing, because tomorrow we're going to move. Get your gear, all right? Get your gear ready. That's what I'm thinking in military sense, right? Because we're going to move. Get yourself cleaned up. Get ready to go. So they were to clean themselves and get themselves uh, freshened, okay? Get ready. So God was telling them, I'm going to do great things. I'm going to do great miracles amongst you. And there were some commentators, uh, some, I didn't really quote this in here because it's not really inspired, but it was, there's some Jewish thoughts that, uh, or Jewish tradition that would say that there was like five or seven miracles that day. And they all have to do with, or um, wonders. And they all have to do with stopping of the water. And we're going to learn about that. That's a huge deal, big deal. So anyways, if you want to side look that up, you can find it. The wonders are there. But I, I didn't put that in there because I was thinking, no, it's not inspired by the word of God. You, not that wouldn't be interesting, but you know. Anyways, okay, verse six. It says, then Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant, covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. All right, so Joshua gives the orders to the priests. The priests are obedient and do what they do because they're trusting Joshua's leadership. So you notice how Joshua really, he doesn't give details yet. And he just told, hey, get yourself stuff ready. We're getting ready to move. And they do so, all right? I don't know about you, but... Maybe you would have had some questions, right? Like, how are we going to cross the Jordan? There's water. Is it going to build a bridge? What are we going to do? Is there going to be, you know? But you start thinking, well, they crossed the Red Sea. So maybe they're thinking, ah, we're going to cross again. So get your mind thinking, like, if we were in those shoes, getting ready to move across some water. I mean, you might be like, uh, Lord, is, a, is he going to, or Joshua, is he going to stop the water again, right? Like he did with the Red Sea? Or... Maybe you were thinking, uh, you're going to give me some more details, right? Joshua, sir, kind of commander type uh, things. Or you want it, where do you want us to cross over? Where, you know, some of these things that might have been that in your, in your mindset, maybe, right? If you were part of the 2000 and didn't get all the information, you might be like, okay, where are we going now? So these things might have been in their minds. I don't know if you were probably in that time, maybe it would have been you. I don't know. Probably would have been scared, okay? Maybe I would have. All right, so here's our first, our first application is this, is that when we cross over, it requires faith. So crossing over requires faith. And so what makes it hard for us as humans is that we want to know the plan. It's, it's a, it makes us, because our human condition, it makes us question because things aren't clear. We don't, we don't fully understand what's going on. Like, I don't see the plan here. I, I need to see the plan laid out A, B, C, and D before I move, okay? And if it's not there, then I'm going to have a hard time. Uh, that's me too, Okay? Some of you guys have worked with me in ministry, maybe at the mall, and we had some uh, kinks in the system, and I'm struggling, right? And some of, I don't know, maybe at the 
River walks some curveballs and throws it our way. And I'm like, Lord, please be with me because I got people watching me and I want to blow my lid because things are changing. But no, I end up having to, you know what? Call on the Lord. Lord, help me walk me through this. Help me see what I'm, what I'm supposed to see. So anyways, back to, uh, so think about it. So what's easiest to cross, all right? Think about, I want you guys to think about a river in front of you and you're getting ready to cross. What would you rather cross in? Would you rather cross in like some clear water, nice flowing little creek, and you can see the bottoms, the nice pretty rocks, right? You can see where you can get the best footing, that way you don't slip, and you can see the other side. Okay, I'm gonna make, you can make your path, right? You can make your, your path, you can go to the other side successfully, right? Or would you rather have step up to the shore of a riverbank and all you see is murky water? And you know that murky water is nice and smooth, right? But here in Kern County, we know that what? We have the undertow. And how many lives have been taken by the undertow? A lot. And you see those murky waters, you're like, man, I used to get in trouble because at least as, when I was a teenager, I would go and swim in the Kern River. Lord, forgive me, right? Where's my... But, you know, there's, you can't see the bottom. You have to feel for your footing. You know, and there, you might fall in a hole, get sucked in. It's dangerous. So think about that, what they had to come up against when the Israelites had to come up to the river. It wasn't a pretty little creek where they could see the beautiful little round stones that have been polished in their, you know, from the flow of the water. No, it was murky. It was dark. But they had to have the faith to come up to it and cross it. So we have a hard time doing that as humans. I think that's part of our, our, our sin nature is that you know, we don't, see, we don't see the things that are at the bottom and, and we don't see the plan. And so we don't really have a good feeling about it. It might go against our kind of what we were raised to think or what we were raised to do or how, what we were raised to handle a situation. And so it might, it, it, it'd be hard for us, some of us, right? So crossing that Jordan River, like I said, what does it represent? So for us, it represents spiritual maturity, Okay. So spiritual maturity, maturity is what we're going to learn. We're going to learn about, okay, are we there yet? Are we going to be there? Or are we, have we already crossed it? All right? So each of us will be called to cross our Orange Order River. Like I said, unless you haven't crossed it already, then uh, you will end up being there, okay? So maybe you... Like I said, maybe you crossed it. Maybe you're there already. Maybe you've crossed it and you're like, Frank, man, I've been there already. I already know what you're talking about. And maybe you're standing at the edge, getting ready to dip your foot in, and you're thinking, Lord, are you going to stop these waters? Because I can't see it. So maybe that's you. Maybe you're like the Israelites, like those priests getting ready to stop over. So let me tell you a quick story, okay? So story time, all right? There was this guy I knew, uh, knew him pretty well. He loved the Lord. Uh, he wanted to serve him the best that he could. 
early on in his faith, he was, after he came to faith, he uh, felt called to teach and preach, and he felt called to serve in ministry, and uh, so he had, that, he had that calling early on, okay? But this guy also had a career. He also worked. And so he had two roles or two duties, right? He was servant, obviously, preaching and teaching, wanted to do those things, but also had a career. Okay, and that happens in ministry sometimes, right? Where someone who's called in the ministry, they'll, have, they'll be out, they'll be serving in the church and they also have a job outside, okay? And so this guy, uh, like I said, loved the Lord. He... Uh, had a career, and so what he did in his career, though, he was good at it. He was able to promote, and he was able to, obviously, promote comes more money, right? Comes more responsibility, and it comes with a new title, right? Some prestige. Hey, I got this new title, okay? So it came with those things, okay? So a time for promotion, okay? And so the only problem is that if this guy was going to accept the promotion, it was going to impact his ministry life, his service life, okay, and his service to the Lord. Because with this new promotion would come new hours, more responsibility, more time away from home. It would totally upset everything that this guy had going on in his ministry life, okay? Now, I get it, we're all ministers 24-7, all of us, even if we're all saved, we're always on duty. But in the, in the private sector, that's what he was dealing with, okay? And like I said, it was gonna upset everything. And it came to a point, it really did come to a point, because it could be put off so far, but it came to a point where it's like, okay, this guy had to make a decision, is it gonna be, are you going to ex- go for the promotion or are you going to go stay serving the Lord? And like I said, promotion, more money, more responsibility, a new title. You know, who could get mad against a promotion? Hey, he's moving up. He's successful. He's a good guy. He loves the Lord. But it would mess up all those things, Right? And so, like I said, it came to a decision that had to be made. And so a decision had to be made. And the Lord, was, the Lord had said, uh, Frank, are you going to serve the Lord? Are you going to serve your career? Are you going to serve me or are you going to serve your career? Yeah, it was me. I was that guy, and I knew him very well. And so it came a point and said, man, you're right, Lord. I am at a cross, crossing. I do have to make a decision. And then my flesh starts kicking in, right? Lord, you know I have six kids, right? I need to provide for them. Duh, Frank. He knows you have six kids. Lord, I want to provide him everything that, you know, 
a good father can. You give them what they're, you will provide for them their needs and everything else is a blessing. Lord, here I keep going, right? What about college, Lord? Or what about braces, Lord? Or what about all these things, Lord? I could provide these things if I promote. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But at what cost? It costs your service to the Lord, man. And so I had to wrestle with that. I had to come to a point where I had to make that decision of who I was going to follow or what, what I was going to pursue. Was it going to be money and, and these things that I thought were good? Or was it going to be like, no, you're going to follow the Lord, Frank. This choice is yours. You decide. Because if not, if you don't, guess what? I'll find somebody else to do it. And you'll miss out on that blessing. Because he will. He'll get it done. He doesn't need me. Yes, it's a blessing that I be able, I'm able to be able to serve the Lord in the matters that I do. But he'll get it done without me. So don't, I can't be like, oh, all these things are going to be done because of Frank. No, he'll get it done. I'm just the person on the other end, like, thank you, Lord, for letting me be a part of this, part of your plan, a part of your mission. It's awesome. It's a blessing. So that was my crossing over. And I'll never forget it. He, he will lead you and he'll put people in your life that will speak to your heart and help you make that decision. And so I had that same person. Uh, he knows who he is, came into my life, and I'm so thankful for that person. So anyways, uh, this was my, for me, like I said, this was my crossing point, and it required faith because I had to have faith in the Lord and say, you know what, Frank, are you going to trust in yourself, man, or are you going to trust in the Lord? Are you going to trust in the Lord to provide your needs, or is that just something you say? So I, I put that out to you guys, and maybe you guys have the same similar situation, or maybe it might be something a little bit different, and you know, uh, maybe it's framed a different, but it's kind of same out, outlook or outcome. So maybe that's you guys. Maybe you guys are up against a crossing road, and, you're, and you need to make a decision, and maybe what I'm telling you is making sense to you right now. And say, yeah, you know what? I am at my crossroad or I'm at my crossing of the Jordan and I don't know what to do. So I would encourage you that you have to do is trust his plan. Just as I had to do, I had to ask myself, Frank, do you believe you're called? Yeah. Okay. Is there, are you retreating? Are you ever going to go back? No. Okay, then keep moving forward. Keep staying on your mission and trust in his plan. Okay, back to the, uh, back to the verses, okay? Verse seven, it says, God, uh, excuse me, it says, and the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will exalt, this day I will begin to exalt you. And the sight of all of Israel that you may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water, you shall stand in the Jordan. So what he's saying here is that 
God is speaking to Joshua and he's promising to exalt and make it known that he was with Moses and now that he's with Joshua. And the miracle that God was about to do is he's going to authenticate Joshua to Israel just as, Mo- as Moses was authenticated in, uh, just as was authenticated to the Israelites. And then in verse 8, Joshua was giving the priests their marching orders. As soon as they approached the Jordan, they were to stand in it. So these guys had to have faith, these priests, and say, okay, I'm going to do it. Verse 9 says, Joshua said to the children of Israel, come up, come here. Hear the words of the Lord, your God. And Joshua said to this, by you shall know that the living God is among you and that you will he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Girgashites, and Amorites, and the Jebusites. So all these people we're going to drive out. So he's saying, basically, Joshua's saying, listen up. Attention. I'm going to give you guys your marching orders. This is what we're going to do. And he's assuring them that God is with them. And, that they, and with God, that they would drive out the Canaanites. So they, had, they were able to stand on God's promise, stand on his word, and carry through on their mission. Verse 11, it says, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of, of all the earth is crossing over before you in the, into the Jordan. Now therefore, take yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from every tribe. And this soon shall come, and, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord on the, of all the earth shall rest the waters of the Jordan. That the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. The waters that should come down from the upstream shall stand as a heap. So this is how they're going to cross, right? God is leading them. God is before them. He's leading them and and they can rest in that comfort of his leadership. And each man was, was designated to get a stone, which we'll learn a little bit later, is that each man from the tribe is 12, they were to get a stone, because after they crossed, they were going to do what? They were going to make a memorial, a remembrance of this day. Okay, so we'll, learn, we'll talk about that a little bit later. So in verse 13, here's the uh, authenticating signs for Joshua that as soon as the priest set foot in the waters, that the waters would part. So just as Moses uh, was authenticated by parting the Red Sea, this is Joshua's, okay? So big time here. So verse 14, it says, So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and, and the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water. Parentheses there, it says, for the Jordan overflows at all of its banks during the time of harvest. That the waters came down from upstream, stood still, and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that which is besides Zaratan. So the waters there went down into the Sea of uh, Arabah, the uh, Salt Sea failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. So he's giving us some, this is the peak here, right? He's giving them the, uh, this is the moment, the climactic moment from where they actually cross over. 
And so they had broken their camp down. Now they're embarking on their mission, about to hit the river, and they're actually going to do it. This is the actual crossing part, okay, verse 14, where it begins. So at the timing of this act of this, uh, the timing of this, of this miracle was um, two things, okay? This was going to be, initi- this was going to initiate this miracle, okay? Is uh, one, when they reached the Jordan, this was going to be the initiation of it. And number two is when they actually stepped in, all right? So when you think about it, think about these rushing waters and you're carrying this ark and you got people behind you and you're about ready to cross in a river that you can't see the bottom. And it's flowing, and you're like, oh, man, I don't have any clothes. I'm going to get wet. So this is the time that, that, that marked those. It was these two things that marked that, okay? And so what's interesting is that the, during the season, like what it's talking about there, it would have been springtime. And this was after the raining season, and we can get that because it says uh, it would be close to harvesting barley. And so at that time after a rainy season, the river would have been even more dangerous. It would have been engorged. So not only do you just have a regular river, now you have just an even more engorged full river rushing. So it makes the matters even more intense, right? Like, okay, we're not just going to cross, but we're going to cross at its highest peak, okay? So you would think that by human reasoning, you think like, okay, we're either gonna, we're gonna go in there, we have to swim across with the ark, or we, or we might risk death. Uh, we don't know what, what really, um, you know, what's gonna happen, maybe in, their, in your human mind, right? But this is where the actually, the miracle is, is that when God stopped the waters, hold them, held them back, and, and allowed them to cross, So here's another application. Crossing over requires a decision. It doesn't just something that we get slotted into and then we're like on a roller coaster and it's like, okay, we're going to cross over. No, it requires a decision if you're going to make it or not, if you're going to cross over or not. So like Joshua, the Israelites, they had to decide if they were crossed just like us. So when we get called to the edge of the water and we look at those murky waters, we probably we might be afraid. Well, what are we afraid of? We're going to get be afraid because when we get cro- when we get told to cross when we get called to cross our Jordan in spiritual maturity, we have to deal with things. We have to deal with our hurts. We have to deal with our issues that hold us back. And that's hard. Sometimes we don't want to deal with our issues. Sometimes we just want to ignore them. Like, I don't want to deal with that right now. I got other things to do. But that's the fearful part, is that we have to overcome. Like, I don't know if uh, I I have the courage to, to deal with what's going on. The, the murky waters that we come up and we're getting called across, they might tell us, it might force us to give up an idol in our life, whatever that idol is. Or it might cause us to deal with the relationship that we've been putting off for so long. Like, I, you know what? This has to be done. Because you're, you're actually, this relationship 
is making me, is hindering me from growing spiritually. So I have to let go. And that's tough. People don't want to do that. People don't want to face that. But it requires a decision. A decision has to be made. Like I said, when we make that decision to cross, we're going to lose things. It might be money. It might be a relationship. It might be a uh, security. It might even be your freedom. It could cost you your freedom. I'm reminded of Romans 12, 1. And this was Paul. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Romans 12, 1. So Paul is here. He's urged, he says, I urge you, brethren, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The present here is a once and for all decision. I decide to present myself as a living sacrifice. I'm going to dedicate my body, myself to the Lord and whatever he would have me do. And part of that is crossing over, crossing the Jordan River. Whatever is holy, it says, whatever your body is a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is reasonable service to God. So that we would commit ourselves to the service of God and say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll do it. You, You let me, you come and I'll be your glove and I will just do the work that you want me to do, which is good and reasonable. I'll do it out of love, and I'll do it out of service to our Lord. Let's get back to the verse. It says, verse 17, Then the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all people had crossed completely over the Jordan. So the waters were completely cut off. And one thing I want you guys to to think about. The waters were cut off. The ground was dry. This wasn't a sloppy crossing, guys. This wasn't a muddy crossing. It was dry ground. Two million people crossed over. This was a big deal. This wasn't like a, you know, like one of those mud pits that they were crossing and sloshing. They were able just to part right over, go right over to the other side. The priests that led the, the, the priests that led this crossing are now standing on a dry riverbed in the middle. Okay, I want you guys to think about this. They led, the priests led the ark into the water. The water stopped. They stand in the middle on dry ground. So at first they, they led, right? They're leaders. And what do they do after they cross and stand in the middle? They usher. They become servants. Each until what everybody passes through. Two million people pass through. What is that a picture of, guys? Someone standing in the, wa- in the middle, letting people pass by, holding the raging waters, because the ark is there, holding the waters back. What does water represent? Judgment. 
The water represents judgment. So here you have these priests standing in the middle, letting everybody come by. Come on, go ahead. We got this. The water's judgment is behind us. We can cross, cross into our promised land. That's a picture of Jesus, guys. And just like them, they're standing, just like that Jesus is saying, come on, come on. All the way to the very last person. Think about that very last person that crossed over. Maybe it was a mom with her kids. Maybe it was a person that had trouble walking. Till that last person, guys. Once that last person come, come on. All right. The last person comes. Let's go. And they cross. Isn't that an amazing picture that we can see, even in something like that, we can see our Messiah doing those things for us? So I wanted to point that out to you guys. I thought that was amazing. It's a beautiful picture that just as Jesus stands in the gap for us, for our sins, so does the priest. They stand there. All right. The last application says, when we cross over, it requires us to never look back. And like I said, some of you guys are probably have been there. Some of you guys are getting ready and you're standing at the water and you're getting ready to cross. You're like, man, this is scary. I know. So once uh, Joshua led the Israelites over the Jordan River, they never went back. This was a one-time event for them. And just like us, when we cross, we're not looking back. We're not going back. There ain't no need in looking back. We're on a mission. Just like that, just like them, we're not looking back. Later on in the book, we learn that Joshua and, the, and Israel, they weren't done, right? They weren't done with their mission. As soon as they crossed over, what did they do? They went into battles, guys. That's us. When we cross over, it's not done like, hey, I'm here, I've arrived. No, you still got battles. You're still going to fight. And that's exactly what they did. Just as the Israelites will encounter battles, so will we. That's why it's so important to stay focused on the Lord. It says, I wanted to fast forward to Joshua 4, 21 through 24. He said, then he spoke to the children of Israel. This is after they crossed. says, when your children ask their fathers in time to come saying, what are these stones? Then you shall let your children know saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord, your God, dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until they had crossed over. And the Lord, your God, did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. That all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So they took up those stones and they placed them in a place as a memorial, as a, an, a, a witness, better a witness to people. This is where we crossed. This is where we made our decision. And just like you, you have a marker. Say, you know what, this is where I crossed. This was the point in my life that I won't forget. Let's look at 1 Peter 2, 1 through 5. It says, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. Thereby, indeed, you have tasted the Lord is gracious. 
coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but those chosen by God and precious, you have you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God, Jesus Christ. This makes me think of Hebrews where it says, solid food belongs to those who are, are of full age, that, this, that choose by reason to use their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So he's talking about solid food, and this reminds me of that. So you and I, we should be desired, if we're not there yet, to be desired to be off the milk. We should be desired to be on solid food and be into, solid, be into spiritual maturity. So spiritual maturity, I hate to say this, guys, and, but it's true that spiritual maturity doesn't come by seniority. You can be a Christian for 30 years and still be a baby Christian. It doesn't come by seniority, folks. It's not like the government system where I got seniority on this guy, therefore I know, I'm the, I know more. It comes on one, obviously, yes, reading and studying the scriptures. That is a good thing. That's what we should do. It comes by being a watcher on the wall, warning people of what's going on in this world. But the third thing, it comes by dealing with our stuff and putting to death those things that hold us back. Hold us back from growing. Those are the things that we have to master. So I don't know, like I said, maybe that's you. Maybe you, you've already been there. Uh, but it comes down, spiritual maturity comes from tearing down the things that hinder us, our love and service to Jesus. Spiritual maturity looks different for different people. You might be letting go of a relationship like I was saying earlier. You might uh, have been calling to be fixed something in your life maybe get help or counseling for something. I don't know what that looks like for you. Each of us is all different in our own walk. But whatever it is, guys, and I want to leave you on this, whatever it is, if you have not crossed over to your your Jordan yet, and when you do, it's a victorious time because you'll be free. But if you're not there, I urge you guys, do what you have to do. Examine yourself of what is holding you back from growing into spiritual maturity if you're not there yet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day and your blessing, Lord. Thank you for all that you have done for us, Lord. And again, Father, we just pray for each and every one here that wherever their walk is, Lord, wherever they are in their, in, in their walk with you, whether they are getting ready to cross, whether they are getting ready to uh, standing at the riverbank, Lord, or they've crossed and they've already, and now they're enduring battles. Pray that you would be with them, guide them, Lord. And so at this moment, we're going to have an invitation. If you please stand. And during this time, think about the things that we've talked about. If you need prayer, come up. Have one of these guys pray with you. If you wanted to join the church, Come up. Express that you want to be join the church. If you want to be baptized, come up. If you want to come to faith and salvation, if you have not made that ultimate commitment to him, saying, Lord, I believe and trust in you for my salvation. Come up here, you guys, and our guys will pray with you. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. 
For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.